0: well good morning good evening good afternoon depends when you're listening to this if you're listening to it on one of our podcast platforms but if you're listening now it's good evening and you have uh, tuned in to the Cato and church uh, podcast and for that we are very very grateful that you would spend some time with us uh, here on a Thursday this is a Thursday Thursday evening and we greatly greatly appreciate that Cato.
1: yeah good evening
0: good evening how you doing pal
1: i'm doing great uh, you know you said we said good evening good morning of course if somebody was is is watching or viewing via facebook that could be good morning where they are because that's worldwide you
0: know well, could, yeah you're right that's a that's a good possibility it sure is
1: or, or somebody could tune in later and good morning then
0: yeah exactly so I'm, I want I'm just trying to cover all our bases that's what I'm trying to do is cover all our bases there
1: well, I'll tell you one thing uh, I can I can already tell that we've got a, a, a very smart a guy that's a lot smarter than we are that's going to be our guest today you know how I can tell how's that He's got a whole bunch of books in behind him. You always know that somebody's smart, they got a lot of books in behind him. That's right. You can't
0: see any behind you and me, can we, pal? That's right. There's
1: nothing back there for me, so you know what that says about right. it.
0: That's exactly That's right. True. we just we just a couple of goodens uh, who enjoy doing a podcast. And, of course, Cato, speaking of our guest, uh, we've, we've had it on our Facebook page. Uh, our guest this evening is going to be Dr. Robert Jackson. Doc, we're glad you're here.
2: Gentlemen, I'm honored to be a part of your program. I'm well, pleased to be your guest today.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's our honor. I guarantee you that. Just so uh, some of you folks may know, Dr. Jackson,
1: of
2: course, a doctor. Been a doctor, what, 40-plus years, I guess? Yes, sir. I graduated medical school in 1981 from the Medical University in Charleston, South Carolina. I did a family medicine residency in Spartanburg for three years and then attacked on a year of surgery residency after that. And then I practiced family medicine in Spartanburg for 38 years, and now I've been part-time at the Grassy Pond Family Medicine Clinic in Gaffney for the last two and a half years.
0: Okay, all right. Also, uh, just so uh, everyone out there will know, uh, Dr. Jackson, of course, he's been on mission trips, uh, he's authored books, he's a husband, he's a father, he's a grandfather, uh, he loves Jesus. Uh, that is uh, that's the main thing, is that he loves his Savior and Lord.
2: That's thing you can say about me.
0: That's right. That's right. And he also has a podcast. We want we want to tell everybody about that. He has a podcast, and you can find it uh, about anywhere you can get a podcast. And it's called More Than Medicine. Uh, and I will promise you that if you uh, tune into that podcast, listen to listen to those episodes on that podcast. Uh, you will be blessed and you will be educated. So, uh, because I've listened to to a few of them, and uh, each time learned something and was blessed uh, for being able to uh, to listen to it. And also, I just want to say this, just because I can, and I can throw it in there that Doctor Jackson is my doctor, and uh, that now is a,
2: crazy. Every time he comes in there,
0: <laughs> and that is a blessing to me. And I also want to say this because I have told many people. Many people, this story, and, and I know the last time that I was in your office, I, I, I told you again because I didn't know if, if you remembered it. And you may not even remember when this happened, but I just want to say this uh, just because this is uh, it, it, it blew me away. And it was, and Cato, I probably told you before, but uh, and I'm going to make a long story kind of short because I want us to get in here on our topic uh, because I know Dr. Jackson has a lot to say about this particular topic. But to make a long story short, several years ago, needed a doctor for Seth here, uh, and we'd just moved back to the area where we are now, uh, trying to get uh, back with the doctor we had before we moved, and called them, tried to get it lined up. They would not accept us, because we did not have insurance. And so, me and my wife, you know, talking, uh, discussing it, I just got on the internet, And one day, and I just punched in, like, Christian doctors. And uh, when I did that, uh, where Dr. Jackson was at the time, it popped up. Uh, I clicked on it. I looked at the website. I saw Dr. Jackson for some reason. He just caught my eye. I don't know why, but I just I, I saw him, and I thought. He's
2: so handsome, brother. Well, maybe I, was that, about, I was about to say, look <laughs> at him. I mean, how could you not? <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> But uh, I thought, I'm going I'm to give them a call. So I called the office, uh, talked with whoever answered the phone. I said, would it be possible if I give you my number that Dr. Jackson could call me? And they said, yeah. Well, I've got to be, I gotta be honest, Dr. Jackson, I never expected a return call. I, I just didn't. I, I have to be honest there. But lo and behold, <clears throat> I got a return call, and it was Dr. Jackson. Uh, I, sp- I pretty much spilled my guts to him, told him, look, <clears throat> my son needs a doctor. I don't have insurance, but I do pay my bills And uh, because that's, I was taught that from a long time ago from a godly daddy, and, uh, and, I, and, and I said, I, you know, I pay my bills. That will not be a problem. I said, I go to a church that if I am having some type of financial problem, they will help. Uh, you don't have to worry about getting money for the bills. And I just remember Dr. Jackson on the other end of the phone just said, call and make an appointment and so i was like hey i can handle that that was awesome and that's just a testimony to me of the type of guy that dr jackson is and so i just again want to personally say i appreciate that so well, but anyway
2: my, my privilege to take care of you and sit <laughs>
0: and so now i want us to i want us to get into our uh, to our topic and uh of course that's going to be about abortion uh, we know that a few weeks ago that the uh, Supreme Court, of course, overturned Roe v. Wade, which is a blessing from the Lord. Uh, I'm glad of that, but I know that Cato and, and you as well, Dr. Jackson, know there's still a lot of work to do in regards to abortion. <clears throat> and uh, and when I was talking with you, we was, we was discussing a little bit what we were going to talk about, and we got some things here that, uh, that we're going to go over here in just a little bit. Some little scenarios is kind of, I guess you could say what they are. That's right. And we got Dr. Jackson here <clears throat> to uh, rebut those uh, uh, scenarios, and, and you folks will see and, and hear what that is here in just a minute. But I first want to started with, start with this, Dr. Jackson. I don't know if you have heard this, uh, but uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to play this for you because I remember several years ago, You were here in the area where we lived uh, for a crisis uh, pregnancy center banquet, and you were the speaker and blew me away uh, that evening uh, with your message. And and, and just, I I was just like, man, it it was awesome, and and, and I appreciate it so much. But I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I want to play this for you, and I don't even know if Cato's heard it yet, but it's old Pocahontas, uh, Elizabeth Warren. She has made uh, some comments. And I, you know, I didn't give her that name, but anyway, that's what some call her. But uh, uh, she made some comments in regards to crisis pregnancy centers, and I want to play this for you, uh, Dr. Jackson and Cato, as well, because I don't know if you've heard it. And I just want to get a, get a little response from you. So um, let me let me uh, let me pull this up and play it. Here we go.
2: In Massachusetts, right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy, termination, help, outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts, and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that.
0: Could you hear that, Dr. Jackson? Yeah,
2: I heard it. I what, heard it.
0: What, what, what's your response?
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm the, I was the chairman of the board of a crisis pregnancy center in Spartanburg for about 14 years, and I helped to start that crisis pregnancy center, and I had a hand in starting three other crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, I speak around North Carolina, South Carolina, and in Florida even at fundraising banquets for crisis pregnancy centers. And every one of them that I know, their commitment is to speak the truth in love. There's no deception about crisis pregnancy centers. They're very open and upfront about who they are, what they do, and the services that they provide. And the reason that they outnumber abortion clinics is because the people in all of these states love women who are in crisis pregnancies. And they're committed to providing viable and reasonable, meaningful alternatives to abortion. And that's why there's so many more crisis pregnancy centers than there are abortion clinics. And listen, the women that minister in a crisis pregnancy center do not charge for their services. Everything that happens in a crisis pregnancy center (laughs) is provided free of charge by the people in the community who give their hard earned money to keep the CPCs open. Mm-hmm. When you go to an abortion clinic, it's going to cost that woman three to four, sometimes $600 to obtain those services in order to kill that unborn child. Everything in an abortion at a, at a crisis pregnancy center is provided free of charge by the people in the community who love and care, For women in crisis pregnancies and who are committed to providing meaningful viable alternatives to abortion and that's what i had to say about all that
0: (laughs) yeah she uh she she I, i heard that and i just was blown away uh by that but of course with her i wouldn't expect anything different uh to be quite honest uh, so we're we're going to jump in because I, I want us to try to get to uh, I want to be respectful of your time and uh, I want to try to get to to several of these because uh, they are they are scenarios like I said that we're going to I'm, I'm going to read them and then Dr. Jackson is going to respond to them. But they are uh, uh, when I read these, some of you people probably who who listen to this are probably going to say, you know, well I've heard that, and 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 you're going to think. Uh, I didn't quite know how to respond. Well, if you will listen to Dr. Jackson here uh, for the next few minutes, uh, he's going to help with that uh, because we do need to be able to respond. Uh, ultimately, ultimately uh, if, if, if you if, to me, if somebody gives you one of these scenarios, let's say, and I'm sure, Dr. Jackson, you would agree with this, ultimately, the person can ultimately say, look, I don't care what you throw at me. It is never right to murder a a baby or anybody. It's never right to murder. That's right. Uh, And we know that the Scripture says that because we know that as Christians, we are to have a Christian worldview, and we know that that's where we go for our answers to any question we would possibly face. And I know, Dr. Jackson, you would second that as well. But let's—I want us to get started. So, so folks, just hold on and, and listen because I believe this is really going to help all of us. Uh, and now, and like I said, Doctor Jackson, uh, a little bit ago before we even come on the air, look, I might get stuck on a word here, and I may have to spell it to you because I went over these. I think I got it, but if you know if it's one of them big, big fancy words, now, Doc, you'll have to help me, okay?
2: Cato will help
0: you. Yeah, you can look at that head and tell it's got a a lot of knowledge in it, can't
2: you?
0: (laughs) All right, here we go. First one. And and like I said, some of you people may have seen this. If if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen it from some of the so-called pro-choice friends you may have on Facebook. Um, And again, uh, it's like Dr. Jackson was saying with the Crisis Pregnancy Centers, when we do answer these questions, when we do uh, come into these cer- kind of circumstances with these people, we have to, number one, be loving. Uh, because we know ultimately why they're thinking like that. That's because they need Christ as Lord and Savior. Or they would not be thinking like that. So just, just remember that always uh, uh, with, with love. All right, here we go. First one. And like I said, you think folks have probably seen this, but we're going to get some answers. First scenario, let's say. It says, I'm... Uh, I'm pro Becky, who found out at twenty, uh at her twenty week anatomy scan that the infant she had been so excited to bring into this world had developed without life sustaining organs. Okay, Dr. Jackson, how would you respond to that?
2: All right. Before I answer any of the questions, guys, let let's establish one thing. All unborn children are created in the image of God. Amen and sacred in the economy of God one for whom the very son of God died on a cruel Roman cross. That's right. And there's no circumstance no matter how desperate or difficult that justifies the killing of an innocent unborn human being. Our culture so many times suggests that death is the solution to a difficult pregnancy and none of us as christian folks can accept that that's right death is not the solution it's not acceptable for my elderly patients who have difficult circumstances in their life that's euthanasia neither do we accept euthanasia of unborn children for the difficult circumstances in which their mothers find themselves so let's talk about becky becky has a has a ultrasound and she's found that her child has medical issues, probably going to be a handicapped child, maybe, maybe not going to survive after the baby's born. So none of us can predict in advance what the quality of life anyone will have after they're born. Many babies with congenital anomalies will die at birth or shortly after birth that precious little baby's abbreviated life is entirely in God's hands. And it is not for us to arrogate to ourselves the right to kill an unborn human being just because they have physical handicaps or their life may be abbreviated. We would not kill a born human being with physical handicaps. So why would we kill an innocent, unborn citizen. Physically challenged children and adults become the professors and the teachers of all of us, and they teach us what it means to have compassion and to serve another human being. You Christians do want to be like Jesus, don't you? You remember Jesus said that he didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You understand that it's the handicapped children and the handicapped adults in our midst who teach us how to serve those who are in need. And you see, I understand this personally because I have two special needs sons. One's 22, one's 28. And my family, my children have learned how to give expecting nothing in return, because they've learned how to take care of my special needs boys. They are the professors. (laughs) They are the teachers. (laughs) And they've taught my children. They've taught me and my wife how to serve. And you understand in the Christian uh, kingdom of God, serving is a premium value. And yet in America, we want to abort, terminate the life of all the professors, Mm. all the teachers, before they're ever born, before they ever see the smile on their mother's face or the gleam in their daddy's eyes. You know, we sing that song in church, more like the master I would ever be, more of his mercy, more humility. You see, when we take care of handicapped children, we learn how to be more like the master. Mm. And if we abort or terminate them before they're ever born, how are we going to ever learn to be more like the master? And that's my response to that that whole idea of handicapped children. Listen, if somebody were to suggest to me that my boys' lives were not worth living, I'm going to give them a righteous black eye. (laughs) (laughs) Their lives have been precious to me and my family. And all handicapped children's lives are worth living and worth preserving and worth protecting. They're created in the image of God.
0: Exactly. All right. All right. We appreciate that. That's number one. We're just kind of, like I said, we're just going to go through these, and we're going to let you answer. Here's the, here's the second one. Cato, you got anything to add? That was awesome. Okay. All right. Because that's just more or less. That's what we're doing. I'm reading these. We're going to let Dr. Jackson, uh, we're going to let him talk. Okay. Here's another one. I'm pro-Susan, who was sexually assaulted on her way home from work only to come to the horrific realization that her assailant planted his seed in her when he got, uh, when she got a positive pregnancy uh, test result a month later.
2: All right. Well, here's the answer to that. First of all, it's a twisted logic that would kill the unborn child for the misdeed of one of the parents. I know a young lady from Orangeburg, South Carolina. Her name is Rose. And she testified before a Senate medical affairs subcommittee last year. I heard her testimony. It was quite riveting. And she told them that her assailant begged her, pled with her multiple times to have an abortion. (laughs) And she told the committee, he wanted me to kill the evidence of his crime. Mm. And later she told them that a judge asked her in court why she did not obtain an abortion and she put her hand on her hip pointed her finger at the judge and she said it's not my responsibility to kill my unborn child it's your responsibility to put the rapist in prison Mm. you see our culture should be putting rapists in prison and not asking women who are pregnant by a to kill their unborn child. Now, our culture is under the mistaken notion that women who conceive as a result of rape, that the majority of them want an abortion. That's that's a falsehood. The largest study of women who have conceived as a result of rape or incest was was conducted by uh, two researchers. One was named Burke and another one named Reardon and they published their research, and i it's in my book. I have a book entitled The Family Doctor Speaks, The Truth About Life. And I have two chapters, one devoted to incest, one devoted to rape. And these uh, research articles and books by Burke and Reardon is, is extensively quoted in those two chapters. Um, 74% of women who conceive as a result of rape or incest do not want to obtain an abortion. The majority of women want to keep their unborn children because they perceive an abortion as a second violation of their personal autonomy. Now, people find that a little hard to believe, but that's the result of their research, which was, been, had, was conducted over more than 20 years of time and involved many thousands of women. So, I want people to understand that that's the truth of the matter. Now, the second thing you have to understand is that rape and incest are a red herring. 98% of abortions in America are performed by what the industry calls convenience abortions. They're, They're being performed for birth control. The mother simply does not want to be pregnant at that time. Now, some of those situations may be Emotionally difficult. She's she's pregnant, she's got a college scholarship in the offing. Her husband or boyfriend have abandoned her. She doesn't have insurance. But you see, those are just difficult life circumstances. And as I told you in the beginning, there's no circumstance, no matter how difficult or desperate, that justifies killing an unborn human being. Right. Neither does rape or incest justify killing an unborn human being. 98% of abortions in America are the convenience abortion, I'm sorry, birth control type abortions. Less than 2% of abortions in America are performed for rape, incest, or handicapped children. And people need to wrap their minds around that and understand that the majority of abortions performed, and that's over a million per year. In the United States, 98% are performed for birth control.
0: Yep. Which is a shame.
2: It's a crying shame. It, sure it, is. Break, it should break our hearts, and I know that it breaks the great heart of God.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, three, um, another one says, and that people have probably seen, I'm, I'm pro-little Kathy who had her innocence ripped away from her by someone she should have been able to trust and her 11-year-old body isn't mature enough to bear the consequences of that betrayal?
2: Well, that's probably an incest situation. And the answer to that is going to be pretty much the same as the previous answer to the same question. And again, most people who are pregnant as a consequence of incest want to keep their baby. And the reason is, is because being pregnant And having a baby relieves them of the incestuous relationship. They view having the baby as a deliverance from the incestuous relationship. And in my medical practice, I've been uh, um, involved with multiple situations where young women were pregnant as a consequence of a relationship with a family member, and they desperately did not want an abortion. It was the male older family member who was pressuring them into an abortion because the abortion would relieve him of his responsibilities and usually a crime, not just incest but statutory rape. Yeah. And that male family member was pressuring them to achieve obtain an abortion and that young female desperately desperately did not want an abortion because having the baby, Number one incriminated the family member, but number two relieved her of being involved in that incestuous relationship. So, there's the answer to that question.
0: Yeah. So the the the, the last two scenarios is like you said, just kind of go. They go hand in hand with each other. Yes. Much. Sir. So,
2: uh, okay. Uh, but number. Also say this: Who's pro the baby? You know, I'm I'm pro Melissa, and I'm pro Susan. Yeah. And Kathy, but but who's ever pro the baby? The baby never did anything wrong. The baby's not a criminal. Listen, it's it's only third world uh, tin pot dictatorships that kill the child for the misdeed of the parent. Yeah, we don't do that in America.
0: Exactly. Well, that's and that's and we we'll, we're going to get right back to them. But that's something I thought of when I first saw this. I saw somebody post this uh in regards to the uh supreme court and and when they had posted this one of their comments was you know i'm not pro murdering babies but then they listed all of these and yeah, i just i thought to myself well yeah you are yeah you are you but are. because this does does any of these scenarios
2: not, not make wrong. yeah not make that a baby that's right. Every one of those involves yeah. killing a baby. Exactly. As so, so a solution. Listen, it sounds like the Nazi euthanasia program. Yeah. If anybody's ever read about the Nazi euthanasia program, it started off by euthanizing children who had mental handicaps. But, but by the time they were through, they were euthanizing children who were bedwetters. <laughs> yeah. So there Can you, you go. That? And, and that's exactly what's happening here. Abortion for all these bizarre situations, but by the time they're done, they're using abortion for birth control.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, number, I think it's number four here. It says, I'm pro-Melissa, who's working two jobs just to make ends meet and has to choose between bringing another child into poverty or feeding the children she already has because her spouse walked out on her and, yep. then, and then another one kind of goes along, and I'm going to read it too, says, I'm pro-Brittany, who realizes that she is in no way financially, emotionally, or physically able to raise a child.
2: All right. Well, again, who's pro the baby? That's right. <laughs> you no, know, why can't we love them both? That's right. Why can't we love Melissa and support her financially and emotionally? Why can't we love Brittany and, and her baby at the same time? That's what the crisis pregnancy centers are for. That's what the church is for. That's what Christian people are all about: is is ministering to folks who are in difficult circumstances. Doesn't matter if they're poor or sick or got uh, HIV or they're alcoholics or whatever their situation is in life. We Christian folks uh, get in there, root hog or die. Yeah. And we help folks. And we're there for Melissa. We're there for uh, Brittany or Lindsay or whoever they are that's but right. we're also for their baby that's right we don't accept death as a solution to a problem pregnancy
0: that's right you know one thing and i've heard a lot of people Seth, will you get me a pen I, i've heard a, i've heard a lot of people uh, say something to the effect of you know well since they since the supreme court did this uh, you christians are going to have to start adopting and you're going to have to uh uh, to start fostering uh, these babies now and and i th- and I thought to myself i'm like well you know yeah that's that's that can be a solution have have no have no problem with that but one of the things i I think of when those people bring that up, you know I'm like, well there's other ways that we as Christians can help too there there's other ways outside of adoption outside of Fostering. There's other ways that we can help. We can give money. We give money to crisis Pregnancy Center. We, we can do, there's, there's different things that we can do. But one of my main questions to those people who bring up that excuse is, well, let me ask you, do you know a Christian who would not in some way, form, or fashion help and if they look back at me and say, well, yes, I do, well, then my response to them would be is then I would I would need to I would need to, to see and meet this person and let me talk to them about the gospel That's
2: right.
0: and see if they are a Christian. Because any I have to tell you, Doc, any Christian that I know, they would do whatever they could to try to help. And, and, and like I said, my thing is, it doesn't, I'm for the adoption and I'm for the fostering. But what my point is, is there's more ways to help than that. There's more ways to help than that. And so it doesn't mean that because I'm a Christian, well, I need to go adopt uh, every kid or foster every kid that's uh, in, in Cherokee or Spartanburg County in the area where you and me live. Uh, that doesn't mean I have to go do that, but... I do have like you said about your two sons teaching you to serve. Jesus did tell us we needed to serve. So there's other things that I could do, whether it's there's, give financially. There's all kind of things that we can do for that. So there's a lot of ways to be involved. Exactly. But that's that's kind of one of the responses I use on those type of people that want to say that, well, do you know do you know a Christian who wouldn't help? Because I I would probably even i would probably be even more blunter i'm making up a word doc don't hold it against me but I would tell them that well if if you know a christian who would not help I'm here to tell you they're probably not a christian so just i just let let me give you some let me give you a, a little helping hand here everybody that claims to be one isn't one so
2: but anyway, all right. The book, I, I, the book of James says, this is pure and undefiled religion to visit the widows and the orphans in their distress. That's and right. To keep themselves unspotted by the world. Exactly. And Christians are the ones who take care of the widows and the orphans and the foster children. Yep. Anytime you see orphanages and foster children being cared for, by and large, it's Christian people who are doing that. Exactly. You're exactly right. Uh, let me find another one
0: here. Uh it's, here's one. Uh, it says that uh, a woman walked uh, into an ER. And if I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this word right or not, Doc, I'm going to spell it for you because I want to make sure that people know what it is. She walked into an ER with a E C T O P I C. That's an
2: ectopic, ectopic pregnancy.
0: Okay. Ex- that, that's what I thought. <laughs> so, okay, an ectopic pregnancy. She lived in a state with trigger laws. And so when we get done here, I want you to kind of talk about the trigger laws, what it is so people know. She had to wait nine hours while her doctor consulted a lawyer. She almost died. So the question, uh, did pro-lifers actually consider ram- the ramifications of this?
2: All right. First of all, trigger laws, a lot of states have trigger laws on the books, meaning that when Roe v. Wade was overturned, they were anticipating that happening and they already had laws on the books that would abolish or severely limit abortion in their states. Our state, South Carolina, did not have a trigger law. And our legislators our legislators, are considering legislation now that would limit or perhaps even abolish the practice of abortion in our state. So let's talk about this whole issue of an ectopic pregnancy. First of all, my initial response is that, that story is probably not true. There's a lot of things that you've been hearing on the Internet that are being posited as true stories that upon further investigation have turned out not to be true.
0: I can't believe that what happened on the Internet.
2: <laughs> a lot of things happen on the Internet. That are if it is true, then that ER physician doesn't have the good sense that God gave a billy goat because an ectopic pregnancy occurs inside the fallopian tube rather than in the uterus, and it is a life-threatening obstetric emergency. The little baby that's forming in the tube will die because he or she cannot survive outside the uterus, cannot survive in the fallopian tube. The tube always will eventually rupture and could potentially cause life-threatening hemorrhage, life-threatening, bleeding. And although I'm sure that some researchers are trying in some lab, medical technology has not developed enough to preserve a pregnancy outside of the womb. Now, if that ectopic pregnancy is diagnosed early enough by ultrasound, an ectopic pregnancy can be treated with methotrexate, which is a medication in order to save the mother's life, but it will always cause the loss of the baby, but it will preserve the mother's life. Any delay, once the, tube, the rupture of the tube has occurred and bleeding has ensued, can result in the death of the mother. Any ER physician who would delay intervention to consult for hours with a lawyer is risking the life of the mother and he's risking his medical license now pay attention the intent here when you are treating a mother with an ectopic pregnancy is not to kill the baby but ultimately that baby's going to die regardless of what happens the key word here is intent no one is intending to kill a viable baby the reversal of Roe v. Wade did not change how any physician should treat an ectopic pregnancy. So, does all that make sense to you? I, yeah, I,
0: I think I yeah, I've got that. So, and and again, that's uh, that's why like you see this stuff here and 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 people with these different kind of scenarios trying to justify. And again, that's why we wanted you here to help explain yep. a lot of these things. And so uh, let me, we'll, let me jump in here for just a go second Go ahead, Kato, while I get ready for another one.
1: I just wanted to say a lot of this, the, the questions that we've had so far, I just can't, can't help but keep thinking, you know, God's the author of life. That's a, when it comes down to the root of all of it, you know, from the moment of conception, God is the author of life. And, you know, we are born into sin, and those that are not in Christ, as you were saying earlier, their tendencies to be more selfish. That's right. That's that's the, that, to me, that's that's what it all, when it comes down to, and they, they start talking about my choice, my body, my choice, they don't have the concept of God. God is the author of this life. God is the creator of this life. Mm-mm. It's not you, exactly. Right. And it's just it's hard. To, if you don't have a biblical worldview or mindset, you cannot get a grasp on that. I don't think you can't grasp it at all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple more, Doc. Um, okay.
0: My this is my biggest concern about the overturn of what happened here a few weeks ago. Uh, my biggest concern about the overturn is if states criminalize abortion. I can't help but think of the women. Uh, who who do need a, an abortion because she may not survive the pregnancy or the delivery. Uh, if it's criminalized, the doctor who recommends termination could lose their license or jail time, even if it's for the safety of the mother. I just don't want to see states taking this so far out that it could harm uh, the woman's health or the women's health. All right. Well,
2: first of all, that, that's not going to happen because the laws that are being constructed, in fact, I've been looking at the law that our legislators are writing in South Carolina. The laws are being constructed to protect physicians who are there to deliver little babies. And and there are complications that occur mainly in the third trimester, the the last three months of pregnancy. And the laws are being constructed in order to protect doctors who do their best to preserve the life of the baby and the mother. You understand that an abortionist, his intention is to kill the baby. Obstetricians are there to preserve the life of the mother and the baby. Mm -hmm. When emergencies occur in the third trimester, like an abruptio placenta, that's when the the, uh, placenta separates from the, uh, the lining of the uterus and it threatens the life of the mother and the baby. That's an obstetric emergency that occurs in the third trimester. And the doctor does everything that he can to preserve the life of the mother and the baby. He's not an abortionist. He's not trying to kill that baby. He's trying to preserve and protect the life of the baby and the mother. He's not acting in the way that an abortionist acts. And so... Folks are, cons- are misconstruing the manner in which obstetricians work with the way the manner in which an abortionist works in the first three months of pregnancy. Uh-huh. And these laws are designed to criminalize an abortionist who does his dirty work in the first three months. It's designed in some states to criminalize a mother who is an accomplice with the abortionist in presenting herself and her baby to the abortionist for the murder of her child. But obstetricians, whose intent is to save the life of that baby, to preserve the life of that baby in the third trimester, these laws do not criminalize obstetricians. And people are trying to confuse that in order to... um, make people not want to vote for these laws yeah. that stop abortion and close abortion clinics and all of that's really just a red herring it's just a way to obfuscate and confuse people regarding the legislation
0: yeah I mean, and correct me if i'm if i'm wrong doc but i mean isn't i mean a doctor a doctor is there to help. That's right. Not hinder. I mean, am I correct in that? I mean, it, it, look, I, I, that's just what I've always thought that a doctor was there to help and to, 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 to keep your life. I'm going to use this
2: to keep your life going. That's right. Not to a stop true, it. A true, true doctor is there to, for health and healing. To preserve life, to promote health and healing and promote life, an abortionist is a murderer,
0: yeah, he's not a true doctor exactly and and we and i I got another one here and and we probably don't have time, but i I know that uh as you said you, to me you use the correct word a murderer yeah and 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 so and there's uh the, and god and God's word tells us what we
1: are to do with that, but anyway. Uh, I think I'm we got. am just curious. Uh, when you talk about abortionists as a as murderers, do you think are are do they can? I don't even know how to word this. Do they are they do they consider that you think that a lot of them consider themselves that they're killing that and that, that their conscience or is their conscience seared already and they're they're doing these practices just saying well, hey they're-,
2: they're spiritually blind and their conscience is seared. You're exactly right. And they they sincerely believe that they're providing a service to women in need, and so do their helpers and most of their employees. Yeah, that's it's what I. The, the seared conscience, kind of like when you played Elizabeth Warren earlier. I mean,
0: right.
1: nobody with a with the that has any kind of concept of God or anything could make those statements.
2: Well, well, let me let me tell you a story. And, and I, how much more time? Uh, do we, we, have? we we're good, Doc. Go ahead. Right, let me tell you a story. Oh, probably 25 or six years ago, um, I had a man come in my office who had just moved to Spartanburg from Alaska. And I, you know, like I often do, I, I invited him to go to church with me. He had this woman with him who had long hair and she was a very attractive woman. She really looked like she was a runway model. And, uh, and when I invited him to church, he looked at me and he looked at her and, and he said, well, doc, I I've been an outlaw all my life. And he commenced to telling me a story that he'd been arrested in 26 different states (laughs) that he was, he was a pit boss in, uh, in Las Vegas and he'd been a casino manager of five casinos and five restaurants slash motels in, uh, in Reno for years until he got called embezzling money from the casinos and he had to leave town in the middle of the night in fear of losing his life. (laughs) Well, he then moved to Alaska, started an after-hours illegal gambling business and made a, a $12 million in three years during the oil boom.
0: Good.
2: Then the oil boom went bust, and he lost everything, lost it all in just a few months' time. Well, he then decided he needed to get into another business, so he came to Spartanburg and decided he wanted to be a chiropractor and went to Sherman Chiropractic School. And that's when I met him because he had to have a physical to go to school. Well, I ended up sharing the gospel with him, invited him to church. And to my shock and dismay, he he became a believer the uh, very first time he came to our church. Uh, and I counseled with him down front. And I said, Frank, are, are you really sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> this is the first time you've ever been to church in your whole life. And he said, Doc this is exactly what I want to do. And he did. And this man became radically transformed by the gospel. Mm. He even sent his live-in girlfriend back to Alaska, told her, if you don't become a Christian, you can't live with me anymore. Boom. Sent her back to Alaska. Her crying all the way to the airport. Wow. But here's the point of the story. I invited him to go to a pro-life rally in Greenville with me. This was back in in the 1980s, in the middle of Operation Rescue. And and he's riding in a church van with me and a bunch of fundamentalist Baptist Christian folk. (laughs) We're singing hymns in a church van, had holes in the floor, and it was freezing cold cold (laughs) in January. And he starts laughing. I said, Frank, what are you laughing at? He said, all my life, I thought abortion was the best thing that ever happened for women. And now I'm riding to a pro-life rally in a church band with a bunch of fundamentalist Baptists and I'm excited about going. <laughs> then he said, if all my old friends could just see me now. Wow. Now, listen, what happened to Frank? I, I had never discussed the issue with him. I hadn't debated it or had any dialogue with him about it. I'll tell you what happened. He was transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son mm-hmm. and the spirit of God opened his eyes and he was no longer spiritually blind to the issue. That's right. He was now able to see the truth. Wow. Yeah. Tell me this. What's wrong with the doctors, lawyers, judges, and Indian chiefs in America? <laughs> Listen, they're spiritually blind, they just did. like Frank was for all of his adult life. And that's why, brothers, evangelism is so fundamental to everything that you and I do. Every one of us has a know-it-all backdoor neighbor or brother-in-law who's pro-life, I'm sorry, pro-choice, pro-homosexual, pro-transgender, or whatever, and you can't get through to them. And you know why? It's because they're spiritually blind. Yeah, they're dead. The Bible says that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God because they are foolishness to him. Mm-hmm. Neither can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're never going to see the light. They're never going to understand right. until they're born again into the kingdom of God. That's right. And that's why evangelism is fundamental to everything that we do. Exactly. Well, Doc, I, heck, I, heck, I didn't Amen. know he was going to go God. off. <laughs> but I, I,
0: I'm glad you did. But but you're exactly right. Now, i got to ask this. Is Frank still around this area?
2: Frank moved to Alaska.
0: Oh, did he? So he moved, he moved back. He
2: to where he came from. <laughs> he opened the chiropractic clinic out on the um, – on one of the peninsulas in Alaska. Oh, okay. Well, good. That's awesome,
0: man. That's awesome. That's
2: what he always wanted to do, and he he achieved his objective, his dream. Well, that's
0: good. I'm happy for him. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, uh, got one more, and this one is probably, uh, well, it, it involves a couple of things here, and and it's probably uh one of the main uh, objections uh, that these pro-choice people go to. This is one of their. Uh, one of, uh, of the situations, I guess, they think they're really going to hit a home run on or something. Uh, so here we go. It says uh, I heard a story where a woman, where a woman said her mom had been raped, mm-hmm. and she was conceived, uh, and she was conceived as the result of the rape. Now I'm going to stop there. Just so I'm going to finish, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people they want to say, "What about rape?" Okay, so we're gonna, you're going to get to that in a minute. All right. She says, but her mom decided against aborting her. However, says that her life has been so miserable, she wishes that she had been aborted. So you kind of got two things. I'm kind of throwing you an extra one in there to talk about the rape because you did mention the incest, and that's another biggie that they like to flock to. Uh, but you have rape. And so I'm kind. Of, you you've got this scenario here I want you to answer but I also want you to answer also with what about rape. Go ahead. All
2: uh, right. Well, again, what about rape? Again, I'm going to say it's a twisted logic that would kill an unborn child for the misdeed of the parent. What about the baby? That's right. Who's pro the baby? Yep. You know, you we cannot arrogate to ourselves the right to determine in advance the quality of anybody's life. I I don't know that somebody's gonna have a miserable life. A lot of people who are conceived as a result of rape or incest have wonderful lives. One of my good friends is a young lady named Ashley Lawton. She lives in um, Bluffton, South Carolina. She's a pro-life advocate. She was conceived in rape. Didn't know it till she was a teenager. And when she found out, she was depressed for weeks or months. And then she became a Christian. She became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it totally transformed her whole perspective on life, on her own life. Mm-hmm. And now she speaks to the South Carolina legislature. She works with the uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center. Her, her husband is a Baptist preacher down in Bluffton. And uh, she works with uh, South Carolina Personhood. Yeah, And she's one of their board members. She has a powerful, riveting testimony that you can look her name up on the internet and you can see her testimony. And it's a powerful testimony. She's just one person who was glad that her mother gave her life. She was ultimately ultimately, uh, adopted into another family. And so for every person that says their life is miserable, there's another person who says that their life is wonderful. Exactly. So, you know, again, death is not a solution. For somebody who's been raped or a victim of incest, death is not the solution to those social dilemmas. We are pro the baby. We're also pro the mother. And we believe as Christian folks that we should minister to both. And my question again is why can't we love them both?
0: That's right. Exactly. And, I, and, and, that's, and that's, I think, what all three of us here would challenge uh, or make that challenge to the church is that, you know, we need to get our priorities back in order and and make sure that we are loving in this situation with what we're talking about this evening, that we are loving that mother and that baby. That's right. That we're doing whatever we can to help them. Uh, And so, and even, hey, listen, and even and even the – maybe it's a situation where, you know, you have two people living together, okay, let's just call it fornicating, okay. Mm-hmm. She gets pregnant. By God's grace, she goes to a crisis pregnancy center. They counsel her. They talk with her. She decides to keep the baby. Again, that's where the church, along with that crisis pregnancy center – comes along, counsels them, gives them the gospel, shows them their need for Christ, you know, because it's it's an awesome thing that you didn't decide to murder this baby. Right. Give them the gospel, show them the gospel, and come along there and help them. Uh, and, and I could go off on a tangent on this uh, for, for a while because, I mean, we just, like I said, the church... Uh, to me, in a lot of situations, and I I know you would agree, and I know Cato would agree, I mean, the church needs revival, and it needs reformation, and we need to repent, and we need to make the main thing the main thing, and that's the kingdom of Christ, Mm -hmm. and and sharing that gospel, because it's just like what you said about Mr. Frank. Hard-hearted, never thought about Jesus, didn't care about Jesus didn't care about the things of the Lord but you were able to share the gospel with him what we got to understand that it's not programs it's not flashing lights it's not a praise band not against not against those things I'm not saying that but it is the gospel that brings that dead stony heart to life and turns it into flesh right and causes them to be born again. They repent of their sins, and they trust Christ and him alone for their salvation. That's what we got to get back to. Amen, brother. You're right. You're preaching it now. It's that. And so uh, I just, Doc, again, I just, and and I know we've been going here for about an hour, and as I said, I want to be respectful of your time. Katie, do you have any other questions, anything you thought of you want to ask, Doc?
1: No, I was just going to say, I, I think we need to get, I was thinking about that the lady he mentioned, that would be probably be a great guest to have on too, because, you know, there's probably a lot of people that saw we were going to be talking about this tonight, they said there's three guys, and they discount it just because we're men talking about it.
0: Yep, a lot of times,
1: you're right. So I was just thinking
0: about that. Men can speak the truth too. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and, yeah. and, and as I said at the very beginning of this, Doc, uh, and I'm sure you would agree, we are very grateful and very thankful for what the Supreme Court did. But it's as I said, we still have a lot of work to do. And, right. and, and some of that work involves voting, I mean, it does. We we've got we've got to vote for those people who want to protect life, yep. and we've got to get out of this. And then I've said this, Doc. I've said this for years, and 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 people can disagree with me, and that's fine. I ain't got a problem with it. But I still believe this. We, as the Lord's people, when it comes to this voting stuff, we have got to check out these candidates. We have got to see what they believe and listen. Just because they have a D or they have an R behind their name, that doesn't mean we have to vote for them. Right. There is right. other people, and we've got to get a hold of this, there are other people that will be on that ballot or people that, are, that will be in a, in a, in a primary against some of these people that we have sent there for years upon years upon years, and the jack legs have done nothing to protect life. They've done done nothing but draw a paycheck. We've got to understand that there are other people out there that we can vote for and get them knuckleheads out of there and get these people in there. And then also what we need to be doing is we, as adults, need to be raising our children – and, and, and we we need to be raising up politicians we need to be raising up god-fearing people who want to be politicians who want to get in there and they want to make a change That's right and we've got to be doing that kind of stuff um, I'm just we, I'm we a make firm some,
2: we make some suggestions our our House of Representatives right now in South Carolina has an ad- hoc committee that listened to testimony for about six hours last Thursday about this uh, pro-life legislation that's being considered. And it's imperative that your listeners call our representatives and let them know that they want a pro-life bill that protects all babies from conception without exception. Mm. Say that with me from conception without exception. That's right. And y'all call your, your representatives, tell them that and then call your senators because when the bill goes through the house, it'll go to the Senate. And that's where the real battle is going to be and you need to call your senators and tell them the exact same thing to pass that bill, protecting all unborn citizens of South Carolina from conception without exception. We don't want any amendments on there that, that allows, abortion for rape or incest or handicapped children or any of that nonsense. All of those children are human beings created in the image of God and their lives need to be protected.
0: That's exactly right. And we do need to do that, Doc. We need to, we need to not be lazy That's and right. just at least make that phone call or email those people and at least let them know where we stand.
2: Right. Listen, our politicians don't see the light until they feel the heat. That's right. That's exactly the right. The heat on them. That's exactly currently,
1: right. If I'm not mistaken, currently in South Carolina in the legislature, there are enough people that would, that could
2: do that uh, and get that through if they would do it. <laughs> well, listen, listen, the House and the Senate are predomin- predominantly Republican. Right. All of those Republicans ran on a Republican platform that is strongly pro-life. Yeah. Just hold their toes to the fire and make them adhere to the Republican pro-life platform.
0: That's exactly right.
2: That's exactly right. Well, Doc, I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me as your guest. Call me anytime, and I'll be glad to come back.
0: Well, we thank you, and, and I know that we had, uh, before I had computer problems, we were, we were planning on having you on, and, of course, we were going to be discussing a whole different topic, uh, but thankfully – uh, it, I, I got things worked out. We were able to have you and it's been a, it's been a blessing to have you, uh, on here with you. And again, I consider it a blessing that you're mine. And as far as I'm concerned, my family doctor, um, and, and you
2: just uh, need to come see me more regular. How am I supposed to feed my kids? If you don't come, <laughs> <in the office?
0: laughs> I'm trying to stay healthy doc. I really am. Uh, no, no offense to you, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay healthy. Um, uh, but again, I just wanted to mention uh, to everybody. Cato uh, and church at gmail dot com. if you want to email us, um, go to go to our Facebook page, the Cato and Church podcast. We got a YouTube page. go to that. We have some little fun things you know, a lot of them videos were, we're cooking and doing some things on there, recipes and those kind of things, but uh, go on there as well. But also remember, uh, Dr. Jackson has a podcast as well, more than medicine. Uh, again, I asked you to look that up. Uh, you will enjoy it. He has a Facebook page, uh, Jackson uh, Family Ministries. Also, uh, if you need, um, and I, I don't think Dr. Jackson would care for me saying this, uh, if you uh, would like to have Dr. Jackson come to your church, uh, uh, if you run a crisis pregnancy center and you're having a banquet, you need a speaker, I'm telling you, Dr. Jackson is your man. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed but check out his podcast check out his facebook page uh and again doc we we again we are so glad uh that you uh took the time to uh be on here with us we greatly greatly appreciate that and we probably will in the future if fauci has anything to say about it we're going to probably end up having you back for something All all right all right everybody we appreciate it thank you so much Uh, for listening, uh, for being here live with us, uh, for listening, whichever way you get this podcast, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And until next time, repent if you don't know Jesus and believe the gospel.